educational podcast series about solo performance and solo performers. Hi, my name's Steve, Steve Greer. I'm a theatre academic and writer based in Glasgow, Scotland. Each episode of this podcast is a conversation with a different artist about their work and its relationship to the world. As this series continues, it's becoming less about soloness and more about how making work as an individual artist relates to the collaborative nature of theatre and performance. This episode is a conversation with performance maker and live artist Nick Green, where we talk about her process for making work and some of her projects, including the Landmark Show trilogy. And we also talk about the significance of bringing bodies together in a room. This interview was recorded back in December of 2019, before the context of COVID-19 made social distancing part of our daily lives. Listening back, I'm struck by our conversation about assembly and the importance of how performance might make us feel less alone in the world. And I can't help but wonder what role it might take in the months ahead as we work out what this new situation means for all of us. A few notes before we get started. You hear us talking at one point about Forced Entertainment. Nick was the first recipient of the Forced Entertainment Award in memory of Hugh Chadbourne, which provided mentoring and support and access to the company. You'll also hear us talking about a project that followed from Nick's role as one of National Theatre Scotland's Artists in Residence. While this project has been postponed due to the pandemic, I'm hopeful it will see light further down the road. The conversation starts, though, with me fumbling my way into a question about a pair of Nick's early shows, Motherland and Fatherland. Motherland pairing, because Mm. the first piece is a solo movement piece, and the second, and and Motherland is, I guess, this, was it 20 women, this kind of choral grouping who are performing this um, vocal score and movement score together. And so I was kind of curious about that, of like the relationship between the solo piece and the group piece. I mean, the solo piece, you've, you've got drummers, you have three performers on stage with you as well. Well, actually, now, ne- well, towards the end, I just had one in the yeah. end. Yeah, so one drummer and me, and a piper, so actually three people. Okay, yeah. but the shape of that, of going, in the first in the first of these works, it's me, Yeah. and in the second work, it's it's me in a group. Yeah. Did that seem obvious from the beginning? Or? Well, I don't. I mean, this is a good question, Stephen. It's very out of left field. I never think about these this this little collection of pieces. Um, but uh, well, it's also interesting because Motherland, I only ever did that once, but Fatherland, I carried on for a long time. Mm. But so yeah, the, I mean, it, Fatherland's a really interesting one. I suppose if I was thinking about the idea of solo solo practice or something, because I think I thought that I was going to make a solo practice or a solo piece with that but it became about the idea of somebody mm-hmm. who are, who isn't there um an absent person that I don't know or yeah. that I've only, I've only met once um and so weirdly it never even felt like I was by myself even though the person that I felt like I was collaborating with wasn't in the room <laughs> if you know what I mean so, so when like, the the, un- the, so the, the 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 unpresent person was your kind of father who you met once. Yeah. Yeah. And so he, I felt like he was the collaborator. So I, it was like imagining making a piece with somebody that you don't know mm-hmm. who isn't there, but you, you have to like fish about for the things that you can, that you can know about them or the assumptions that you can make um, based on what information you have. So in a way, yeah, I don't know. It it felt like collaborating with a ghost or something. Um, <laughs> which, yeah. So yeah, because there's this... I was talking to, to Dee about this yesterday, having seen some student work about that, that conceit of... of even when, you're by, even when you're by yourself, you're sort of... There is this relationship of 
performing to others or imagined others. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so imagining the the presence of somebody who isn't in the room. But I feel like I always any solo piece. Well, I don't even. Yeah, any piece that I make without other live collaborative humans um i always feel like there's some main collaborator whether that's like a site or you know the idea of a person like in the case of my father or you know like i don't know maybe something else maybe something non-human yeah another kind of material or something so i feel like there's always some some collaborator that's quite key to it even if it's not another person in the room and that other has sort of some has a sense of like agency to it, which isn't all yours. Yeah, and I think there's something about... Exactly, and I think that's a really... It's really... On a good day, I feel like I can go into a process and ask, what do I feel like this is telling me to do? Mm-hmm. Instead of going in and going, what am I going to do today? Which I think is quite a different and subtle difference. So if, it, you know, on a good day, if I'm... On a good day, I can be a good listener, I think, and I can try to listen for like a what constellations of <laughs> collaboration or whatever yeah. uh, is taking place and what invitations that might be making to me, um, which is really different than me just deciding I'm yeah. doing this. So that's on a good day. Is a bad day when you've realised that you're having to force yourself to make decisions? Um, <laughs> I mean that definitely happens, but I mean, or I mean, yeah, on, sometimes yeah. out of necessity, or like there is a yeah. there is a time scale to this project. Absolutely, I mean, a, a really, a really like satisfying and brilliant process for me is one where I feel like the piece makes itself, and it doesn't feel like I'm like having to push a square peg into a round hole or whatever. Can you, is there? Can you like like an example of that of where you've kind of got to the end of a project and gone, oh, like. Not that was me, but yeah. But. I mean, probably I think all every piece for me has a hard bit where that isn't happening, and okay. I have to figure out what's what the problem in the system is that means that it can't make itself or something, or I can't help it be made or whatever. Um, I mean, it makes it sound really mysterious. It's not, no, you know. But, okay, well, let's, let's <laughs> but, talk yeah. about like the, the practicalities of it then. When you hit that moment um, or moments where you go, it's not working. Yeah, is it? What's where do you go at that moment? Is it mm. frequently you and just walking, walking or working it out, or is that the place where you bring other people or other things into the room with you? Yeah, good question. I mean, I definitely always bring things and people into the room with me. I'm happy to show things at any phase, um, even though it's you know often embarrassing and a bit kind of like oh god, you know. Um, but I but I just think it's never performance unless it's seen. Mm. or heard or witnessed or whatever so to me when I'm on my own in a room that's just me prattling about on, you know it's it becomes I <laughs> and so for me it's it's really important that I make the thing in the form that it is intended which is performance so for me I like to have audiences present okay. through the process you know at key moments like lots of artists yeah um, yeah I don't feel like I need to be precious with like material that I make that's like not so formed or you know I feel like those are the moments that I really really real often those are the unsticking moments actually so yeah. when I do feel like um it's because I don't understand it as performance I understand it as rehearsing and those two things are really really different to me I think a, a big job well the what I consider to be a big job uh in being an artist is the management of time and using the currency of this time that you mm-hmm. have with an, with other people um, 
which I think about a lot. And actually, it was a composer that described that to me in terms of their work. And I thought, that's very similar. Yes, it's about managing time. And so I think about that a lot. And, and but, uh, but the sense of that time shifts so dramatically sometimes when another person comes in the room. Like something you think is quite drawn out or long can feel just way too quick or all the other way or things you think oh my god I've been doing this for ages like these people <laughs> I, don't yeah. why I don't know why we're quite so why we're so we can be such weak judges of that yeah it's or very in, strange in the, it's just like it's a, a totally altered perception maybe it's, we shouldn't maybe I shouldn't be saying like good or bad judges it's mm. a totally altered perception of, yeah I've been um, I can't remember if I've talked to you about this. I got into like aerial circus quite hard a couple of years ago. Oh, you did talk to me yeah. about this. And so one thing that that you sort of learn about well, lots of things that I've learned from doing it, but mm. is one is about how 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 shapes or spaces are held, mm. and that I'm I'm holding things for like one two seconds, mm. and actually for it to work, it needs to be in the air for like ten seconds or fifteen seconds. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how that feedback loop. I need to. I need to learn from that somehow. Yeah, like I'm um, not yeah. quite sure what that's telling me because I'm not. I'm not training for performance particularly at the moment. Mm. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think that way, and for me, it's the other way as well. That sometimes I think sometimes <coughs> I can have things happening for too long. But perhaps because if I'm in a room experimenting, I'm in another kind of flow situation. You know, I'm in a flow zone or something. So I'm just like finding stuff out and very much engaged in that process of discovering but that is so different than well I mean it's actually really interesting if you can watch somebody in that space but to be honest once you've done that discovering and you're coming into a process of refining you don't go you don't necessarily well actually that's not true (laughs) but um because I yeah you don't necessarily go back to that space. So the sense of time or something changes as the context shifts for me. Um, so it's about reevaluating that sense of time. But I mean, I suppose in the flow thing, I'm really into like some of my favourite things that I've done in, in performance, I suppose. Um, some of my favourite things are, are actually quite long things, all things that are very, very learned in the body mm-hmm. and in the voice that are patterned and very, very, very learned. So you, you don't actually have to think about it. You can just inhabit it. it. Yeah, and so then for me, what I really love is like, if things can come in this cycle, so, you know, you sort of experiment in this very particular kind of space of a kind of flow, maybe. Although, to be honest, I'm very analytical as I, I'm doing this. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ever truly... It's in not the, like yeah. when I do ceramics where I really do feel, look up and I think, oh, God, three hours has gone. Yeah. It's not necessarily like that for me in making performance. But, yeah, a different kind. But, but I love it if it can come full cycle and go through all the nitty-gritty of refining and moving and changing and developing and all of that to come out with something that is just so embodied that you, again, can come into this, like, really... Um, yeah, I don't really know how to. This is a feels like a good space. moment to ask about cock and ball, as yeah. maybe as 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 for me, I saw the 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 durational version that there was buzz cut. So I think that was maybe the first time you did the long form version yeah, of it. it was, so yeah. it was what seven and a half hours. So Pretty it's much. it's time to be the average sitting of the House of Commons. Commons yeah, for seven forty one. Yeah, yeah. And so that was something which was for me as a kind of a observer, something which is really carefully and tightly choreographed, but also has this kind of gloriously organic 
kind of structure to it where when I was watching it it wasn't like oh I know I know I've worked out the pattern mm, mm. and I think it's something to do with I don't know what it was to do actually I think it was to do with watching your bodies get tired over time was part of the quality of that mm. but that experience of making that show I mean is, is that an, that is that a kind of, kind of example of the kind of thing you're talking about yeah exactly I would say and the other closest <coughs> one is actually Fatherland which is also like very very patterned and quite mathematical in its structure so um, mathematical you sort of mean like in kind of iterations of of, a, of different numerics and yeah. stuff yeah exactly and like developing shapes and patterns and things um, and also sometimes looking at the shapes that it makes on the floor and, you know, draw, drawing certain... I mean, you wouldn't know that when you look at it. But, yeah, <laughs> you know, w- ways for me to understand how material could be formed that isn't just about how I feel my way through it, although that is really valid and important part of it as well. But, um, yeah, I think... Yeah, exactly. Cock and Bull is a really good example of that. I mean, it, it's interesting because I always really admire artists that can sort of be in an improvised space with an audience and go into these kind of zones of, like, very kind of, I don't know, very free and present and Is so there on. an element of improvisation in Cock and Ball, or is no, it no? absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, oh, God, you know, I, I think it, it's, it's maybe a bit too binary to say that, but, in t- well, it was an important part of the process that it wasn't improvised, actually, because I think the material that we were trying to critique... Um, you know, which is, was about political it's language. So exactly. Yeah. It's not free and it's not improvised, and it's like it's very, very structured and it's very written and it's very re- repeated um, across you know various public figures. So for us, yeah, I felt like it, it didn't really offer the invitation for improvisation. Apart from in the long version, at the end. So and actually in the long version of Cock and Bull, it's there's a lot of cues in it to remember um so it's hard to feel like you go into like a very sort of free mental space you are often counting or thinking which in the shorter version i don't need to do that now because my body remembers it without my brain Mm -hmm. but in the long version there's just so many cues Um, (laughs) but at the end we just say good luck everybody for a good sort of hour and 15 minutes and that is actually the only space where there's much more freedom in how you perform it in how and 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 very sort of live collaboration with the other person because there's no there's not been much planning I'm sorry that was my mobile <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah there's not been much planning in that section about how you say it okay and how you do it together there's only a few rules like you always have to be in physical contact with each other and you keep on going that's kind of it really and that's the only time in my life ever in a performance that I've forgotten that I was being watched. Yeah? Yeah, because I had my eyes closed for a good hour, just repeating, good luck, everyone. And obviously it's at the end of a very, very long day um, as well. And, of course, we do the get-in before we even start. So yeah. it's just to like, oh. Uh, anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, and I opened my eyes and I just suddenly remember, I realised in that moment that I had forgotten where I was, that I hadn't been thinking about an audience, I hadn't been thinking about being a performer. I'd just been thinking about... Well, not thinking. I'd just been saying the words mm-hmm. um, and being there uh, with with the other performer, which, yeah, that's the only time in my life I think that that's ever really happened. Okay. I mean, it's a work where I'd like... I was looking at photographs of it, and there's, like, some of which were taken by, I want to say, by Manuel Vasson. Yeah. Um, he's a kind of extraordinary artist. And the kind of the gold hands and face, mm. which is... Uh, 
kind of startling and alarming. And it's, I mean, I guess there's a couple of threads I'm, I'm interested in, in, in pulling out. I mean, one of which is to do with choreography, I'll come back to, but maybe one is about kind of visual composition. Because I know that you came through the contemporary performance practice, RCS, mm-hmm. and just thinking about some of your other projects and who you've collaborated with. At what stage, is that always part of the process for you? Because we've been talking about kind of embodied practice or kind of rehearsal process yeah. in terms of visual composition in, kind of, in terms of design um, when does that become part of the process but yeah how when do those visual things come in it's a really good question because I think I, about yeah. just like me I think some of the photographs taken of some of your work have been extraordinary I mean I love love performance photography mm. but I mean the images of you in the in the suit for um, for Fatherland mm. yeah that's interesting so I mean that I think they don't come first. Definitely, they don't come first, I don't think. No, they don't. What were you going to say? No, I was going to say, I could see see like how part of the visuals of you in that suit flow from the subject material. Yeah, yeah. But then there's also something to do with how that, that suit is maybe lends itself to a certain kind of physicality as well. Mm, like, yeah, and I don't totally. know whether your performance of it changed once that costuming went on, and you were like, oh, okay. Yeah. Or, or was the score kind of, like, costume-proof? <laughs> oh, it's really, really, really interesting question, and it's actually very, very difficult to remember. I mean, I suppose that's a good thing to me, that I can't remember, because it, because they become so entwined, as yeah. you say. Like, the choreography and the costume become so kind of you know, mixed up with each other, that it's hard to, like, remember when they were separate entities. It's really difficult to, like, extract Because when I see stuff which looks so coherent, looks so like the kind of the the expression of an idea where where all of these elements are working together, Mm. I have to kind of go, well, there was a point where these components didn't fit together and these components didn't exist. Yeah, yeah, totally. Exactly. And you know what? It's really time, isn't it, I suppose? And... Yeah, the, 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 there have been times when I've made things and those visual elements have come in really late because I felt like I had to have something or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. And then they've never become that, that muddled kind of systemic, like lo- lovely cohesion. They've yeah. ne- that's never happened. And that's not been a satisfying... Uh, that My reflections on that aren't so satisfied um but I think with fatherland I mean basically I mean I was on this trip you know where I, I met my father in this pub in Edinburgh and then I couldn't remember where it was so I went looking around for it and I just couldn't find it I mean I knew the area but I just I don't it was like it, I just couldn't find it it was like it had gone I mean maybe it has gone I don't know anyway I've never yeah. found it um although I did walk past one this year and when is that it anyway you know, what I did do was, like, try really hard to remember the details of the interior of that pub and draw it and make a model box of it and, you know, just sort of, like, really trying to hack into the memory. Um, and one of the things that I did on on some of these trips was I went to charity shops and I tried to see if... I tried to imagine that there might be some of his clothes in... There because, you know, in a sort of very broad, you know, conceptual way, they could be. Yeah, yeah. Of course, they're probably not. But no. anyway, so that suit was something that I bought with the idea that he could have worn this. It could be his. Yeah. Um, and then I used that suit in its kind of ginormous form, you know, because it was quite a big suit um, for a while, but it felt too, like, infantilising. Okay. So the, the process, I think, of Fatherland was also me 
trying to drag my adult self into the circumstance of that meeting, um, which where I was a teenager when that happened. So then it, I ended up like refining that suit to fit me as a grown woman rather than to wear an oversized man's suit and look like a child. And well, with and with the hands in cock and bull, I mean that that definitely came from the choreography of politicians because we studied their hands basically yeah. because often in the on television you just get to see the top half of their body and, and I so, think they're sort of you know because you they know that's how they're going to be framed yeah they're Exactly. I mean, they do. They're amazing. Like, they're really amazing if you study. To look at them, you think, oh, you've really worked on this. <laughs> <laughs> they are good. And poor Laura Bradshaw, it was her job to, like, go through them all and learn all, because she's very, very good at remembering movements, okay. whereas Rosanna and I, we have to work a bit harder. Yeah. So she sort of created this catalogue of all the... And it was um, sort of the 2014 Tory Party Conference was, was yeah. sort of the original palette of movement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm interested in that, that that kind of the choreographic qualities of, of your work, both your kind of solo work, but these kind of collaborative projects. Did that is that a kind of thread that came from doing the CPP program, or was that, or was that just the artist you always were, or? Oh, it's a really good question. I, I mean, mean, it's really difficult when you kind of go that thing you do that you're good at and and and, Where did it and defines from? it. Where does it come from? Well, it's it's a like good it maybe question. didn't have a come from, you know. No, I mean, I think it probably did. I mean, it is a really good question. Where that come from? I mean, you don't necessarily study choreographic. Well, that's not true. No, well, when I was on the course, you didn't necessarily. There wasn't a strand or anything of choreographic practice, but we did work with people like Grace Sermon. Mm-hmm. Um, and Gary Winters and people like this that sort of use the body as a way of expression. But also, I sometimes, you know what I sometimes wonder? When I was a teenager, I was really into animal rights. And um, I used to go and, like, stand outside the mink farms and do all the protests and everything. And um, I sometimes wonder about whether that... I don't know, there was something about my body, where I put my body. Yeah. Like, and what it meant and sort of... Yeah, using my body as a mode to express a kind of belief, even just by standing somewhere with other bodies. Sometimes I wonder, is there something from that? Because it's, it's also very much about the politicisation of like where you put your body and what it means in that moment, yeah. in the context, um, about whether you are for something or whether you resist something or whatever. I do wonder if there's something about that that influenced. And also my mum, my mum was an opera singer in the opera, and single mum for the beginning of my life. So I did spend a lot of time in the opera, you know, backstage in the opera. And even though that's, you know, technically musical, it's incredibly physical, the voice like that, you know, and the way that they have to work it and the whole body has to create that sound because it's so absolutely mega. Um, and also, like, when my mum used to, like, even just... Oh, I'm frowning because it was just such such a visceral memory of, like, <laughs> cringing. But, uh, yeah, like, she used to war- be warming up in the car when she was, like, dropping me off at school and it was just so loud. Do you know what I mean? It was just so loud. I used to just be like, ah! So I don't know. I feel like I've got lots of memories of, like, the body, the body reacting, yeah. I suppose, to, like, certain kinds of political situations or certain kinds of visceral, like, stimulus or... Whatever, and my memory of that is bodily, much more than... Like, I never wrote a journal when I was a kid, and I'm, and I'm not good at poetry. I'm not... Do you know what I mean? I'm not somebody who's, like, great at writing. Writing isn't a practice that I go to. Like, I like to make, for my hobbies, I like to make ceramics. I like to paint. I like to... So I like to do these very sort of physical-based activity, craft activities and stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. I just think... I, I just lean. I just lean that way. Yeah. I think. 
I suppose it's interesting you like drawing up like a, a sort of potential line of flight to that image of you uh, in like taking part in those protests and being physically present because mm. that for me is a kind of recurring thread across across your work is sort of is assemblies of different kinds actually yeah um, and sometimes it feels like they're they have, I was gonna, I was nearly going to say some of them feel political and some of them don't. I feel like they're all political. I just feel like they have a different texture of politics to them. Yeah, so totally. some of them are maybe. So I mean, thinking about like trilogy, which is maybe like you kind of the first, maybe the first major kind of show. Yeah, that you I made. would say so. Yeah. These kind of these these three pieces that fit together feel very explicitly about what happens when bodies, in particular the bodies of women, are brought together and brought together in public spaces. Yeah, totally. And yeah. are either allowed or invited to speak and move. Mm, yeah. Um, but then with a project like Turn, that feels like a very different kind of intimate assembly, mm. um, even though it's happening in a big kind of public space, it's happening in the, the Govan dry docks. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I, I, maybe just to chat about that, about that, that the, the kind of different projects of of assembly which are at stake there so with trilogy obviously kind of famously ends with this the first piece the first part of it ends with this kind of large-scale choreography of women mm. all performing naked um and a project there which involves quite a lot of volunteers and working with with kind of with community participants i guess in the way that maybe motherland did as well yeah. where they, they were so yeah I guess I'm interested in about the stakes of that about about assembly and also maybe working with non with not realizing I was interested in it but I am mm. <laughs> yeah, of working with non non professional performers when it comes to creating those assemblies. Yeah, yeah, it's really. Yeah, I mean, I really like the way that you use assemblies. Yeah, no, I think it's a really nice word actually, assemblies. And I do think again that that is a lot of it. I think my mum was a chorus member in the opera, so when I was young, what I watched was her going on stage with people mm-hmm. and, like, making a very, very big noise <laughs> uh, with lots of other people. Um, so I think, yeah, I don't know, that. I think that's definitely... I mean, it's very powerful when that happens, and I think it, even as a child standing at the side of the stage, you, you, get, you get it, you get that. Yeah. Um, and I think, in general, the idea of theatre and watching all the collaborative threads of a big, you know eyebrow opera thing like that all the people make I mean I used to love going into the paint frame and watching the people painting the scene you know I just think like the excitement of the threads of collaboration coming together to create these moments was very affecting I think and it's definitely influenced me and also I suppose demystified the process to allow me to feel like a little bit ambitious like I can actually I can have 120 people on stage on the Barbican why why not (laughs) you know they do it they do it over there with all that money why can't I do it in a different way with no money you know so I think yeah there's something about the scale thing which uh, having seen that happen it's allowed that to be kind of accessible feel it more accessible even though I haven't got the budgets (laughs) yeah I mean I've also got interestingly I've got a chorus yeah, maybe you would call them a chorus in this new piece that I'm making. Um, with okay, so that's absolutely awesome affirmative. It is, yeah. So there's a chorus, um, I call them performing nudes, so they're actually sort of creating these kind of Baroque-esque, if you close your eyes and squint your eyes, it looks a bit like a Baroque painting. Um, so they're creating those in the space, and um, yeah, there's quite a few of them. But I think... When I decided that I was going to be an artist, or I really wanted to be an artist in this field, the people that I were looking at, you know, it was like Gob Squad, Forced Entertainment, Quarantine, Lone Twin, Go Island, all these people, you know. 
that was in like 2001 that I came to study. Um, I left in 2005, obviously. There was already like a change maybe happening then, but, you know, post-2007, things changed, you know. There wasn't certain kinds of funding available, especially in Scotland. Like, the whole middle band of that just disappeared. Um, And so so the idea, I think, of being in company (laughs) with other artists for a long time and for us to sustain that practice in our lives became a lot difficult, more difficult to imagine. Um, but I think, yeah, the part of my reasoning, without knowing it at the time, looking back on it, I think part of my reasoning to want to be an artist was actually to be in close company with others and to like deal with the difficult things you know, have it also deal with the fun things and have a great time, mm-hmm. but you know, be together through it, um, and use the art making as a way as a way to do that. Um, but you know, for for all those reasons and many more, that never happened. But I still think I I want to be in company. Hmm. You know, I really want to. So it's a bit of an excuse, I think. <laughs> like have you know, invite people into process, whether that's close collaborators like Laura and Rosanna or Yaz or people that I work with a lot or just to be like I just want to dance naked with a lot of other people you know (laughs) yeah and it it is sometimes something that I crave that is about like being with people and not being alone there's a few different things that have happened recently I suppose with with I suppose yeah this um opportunity with Foss and Tim and, and with National Theatre um and basically what I wanted to use my um artist in residency for at National Theatre was to work again with Rosanna and Laura which actually came out of a conversation with Tim uh, when I was like talking about a new work and I was like oh but it's just I just don't know like how do you how do you know who to ask on how? And he was like, "Well, why don't you just work with Rosanna and Laura?" And I was like, "Well, yes, right? <laughs> They're brilliant. You know, I love working with them." But I don't. It's re- it had obviously really got into my head. Oh, I don't know. There's just something about this newness all the time, isn't it? Like new. It's got to be new. It's got to be different. It's got to be. And actually, oh, gosh, I mean, it was such a relief to like have that conversation with him because. Actually, I want deepening. I want things to go deeper. I want things to go more complex. I want things to be learned together. Languages to become like very sort of thick and dense. And I, you know, sometimes that happens in new collaborations, but it can also happen if you just stick with it. Do you know what I mean? If you just keep on going with folk and just keep on interrogating and learning. Um, and I suppose that was what was so inspiring about observing some of the situations with forced entertainment that I just think, wow, I mean, what a shared language. It's extraordinary. You know, it's just yeah. beautiful and wonderful. And um, I hope that that's not over in performance. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I hope it's not over. But yeah, I think what I used my um, situation at National Theatre to do was I basically requested that the process be very long and thin rather than short and I don't know what. So yeah, to like meet regular just one day a week over a long time rather than do like a six-week rehearsal process um, and that had pros and cons but what it what I wanted to see what was right what if we see each other in our life like every week what does that feel like so we, we keep thinking about this thing every week we don't just contract you know each other in this for six weeks and it's done and it's over and we move on mm-hmm. 
yeah, what happens if we just try and embed it into our lives? And we, and also what happens if we have some regularity in our diary? So like on a Tuesday, we come together every Tuesday. What does that feel like? Because that, that's unusual for me. You yeah. know, I don't have any regularity like that. And I wanted to know what it would be like. And I wanted to know what the art would be like. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I sort of used that for that. And One of the projects that you worked on, I think during the year where you were artist in residence at NTS was Like Flying, mm-hmm. um, which was the kind of the aerial piece, which was like working with all or nothing aerial dance theatre right. and kind of working with what I, with a, a cast or working with groups of kind of 12 to 14 year olds. Mm. Um, so I can kind of see connecting threads with maybe some of, of, of your earlier work. But how did that collaboration come about? Was that a National Theatre Scotland wanting to work with um, with the aerial company and kind of going, Jackie or someone else kind of going, Nick, you might be a great collaborator with them? Or They said, would you like to, would you like to think about taking this on? Um, where at first the brief was... I mean, it's so interesting. It's the second time in my life that I've taken on a brief that someone else has... Well, no, I mean, of course, I've taken on briefs that producers create and you sort of respond to them. But in terms of this tight kind of project idea, it's the second time that I've come into something where someone's already sort of started it. It's actually really hard to go, what what were you imagining when you put those? Anyway, there was a lot of different art forms in it, like maybe nine or ten. And I just uh, was like, I can't, I don't know how to make a piece with all these art forms in it. Uh so in the end, I thought, well, what's a beautiful idea? I just need to find a beautiful idea. And so I was like, well, I'd really like to ask the young people if they'd like to learn to fly. So let's go with Ariel. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I wanted to do. I just wanted to find an artistic, poetic beginning, I think. Um, and Ariel felt like it offered something. And, and I love, the, I love the, the, the idea of the thrill of it, like the yeah. risk of it, you know. Um, even though, of course, it can be very safe. But, I mean, the idea of getting up high and flying about in the air and relying on another on your peers or other mm-hmm. people to help you or catch you or hold you, it's just beautiful. So I just thought, how perfect. And, you know, it, it was already in partnership with the Scottish Association of Mental Health, sort of in response to this, like, absolute epidemic of anxiety in teenagers. Um so I just thought, I mean, it's just a perfect, it's just a perfect match for me, this idea. So, mm-hmm. and I know nothing about Ariel, <laughs> unlike you. Well, well I was, was going to ask about, like, the, the I mean, maybe what I've been to say, about just, like, the, the physical language of it, because mm-hmm. I've become really conscious of how there is, there's a physical vocabulary for Ariel which is like a certain kind of vocabulary of, of contemporary dance and ballet. Mm. It's a certain kind of holding shapes yeah. um, which require a certain kind of body. And strength. And strength mm. and, 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 I'm, and flexibility and all the rest of it. And I've been thinking a lot more about how much I'm training myself to be able to do them. Mm. And how much that vocabulary doesn't interest me at an artistic level. Yeah. <laughs> that, I, that, that I'm getting more flexible. I'll be able to yeah. put my hands on there, stand up right, and then put my hands on the floor, you know, and I'll be able to do splits and things. But I don't want to be a ballet dancer in the air. I mean, ballet no. is beautiful. Yeah. So I have been trying to think about how do I 
how do I bring the language of the kind of physical choreography that I love? Mm. How do I bring like Go Island to Ariel? Yeah, totally. I mean, what an exciting proposal. Love. Yeah, I mean, I, that's what I thought. <laughs> um, and but I, that's such a difficult thing. If, if, it is. if you're going to work with 12 to 14 year olds, and obviously that's a very time bound project, you're yeah. negotiating time and space in schools. But I mean, in a way, oh, I don't know. It's, I mean, for me, it has pros and cons because I'm like, I mean, the whole thing for me was, I mean, you know, it was always going to be cited and we looked around at all these sites and I just was like, but why? Why do it here in the bowling club? <laughs> <laughs> so in the end, we did it in the school and straight away it became this sort of desire to like, how can we just weird this school with Ariel? I mean, Ariel's amazing. You can make people walk up the walls or turn upside down or you know, somersault through the corridor or, you know, you can do all these beautiful things and just really, like, play with the idea of conformity or non-conformity. And, you know, in terms of thinking about, like, well-being and how you feel sometimes when, well, literally when your world is turned upside down, like, how do we just think about that more by using this physicality? Um, So for me, it became all about that, which is really different for me than going, what tricks can we get them to do? I mean, there's a part of that, to, to, I suppose, in the process to see yeah, yeah. what material is available. But in the end, it, I never wanted it to be... I don't know how to make a circus cabaret, Stephen. Even if I wanted to make one, I just haven't got a clue and I haven't got the skills. So, you know, it had to be something much more conceptual. So, you know, it just became about these lovely images sighted in the school where there is two people walking up the side of the building and there, you know... Yeah, and and we just created this um, situation where the audience moved around with the guidance of these headphones and they just saw these young people kind of being amazing. (laughs) That was the brilliant Nick Green chatting with me back in December of 2019. For more episodes of this podcast and to see what else I get up to, why not visit my website, stevegreer.org. Thanks for listening.